Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Here we go again with another edition of Texas Ag Today. Well, there's a move in Congress to get more disaster aid for Texas farmers. And this may help out with a lot of the issues we've had this year, like all of the rain and flooding in some parts of the state, as well as that big winter storm we had back in February. We'll check in with Texas Congressman Ronnie Jackson for some details on that coming up in just a bit. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The outlook was pretty gloomy throughout most of the season, but Texas High Plains wheat had a big rally down the stretch. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. The latest Texas drought monitor shows the state in very good condition for the middle of summer. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duncan in Marshall, and the weather's here. This side of Texas is hot. The old nemesis, the army worm, is taking its toll, and farmers' markets are thinning out across our area. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Disaster aid could be on the way for Texas farmers who experienced losses over the past year. The House Ag Committee last week approved a bill that would extend the Agriculture Department's WIP Plus program. But the WIP Plus expired. So what we did is we reauthorized the WIP Plus in the Restore Bill to go back and cover natural disasters from 2020 and 2021, as well as upcoming natural disasters. And then in addition to that, we redefined what those would be so that we included like the uh, the recent winter storm that we had, the polar vortex. And then we went out and we included things that were some of the stuff that was already kind of there was uh, related to drought and hail and extreme wind. That's Texas Panhandle Congressman Ronnie Jackson. He says this bill will cover all levels of drought, not just the extreme drought conditions covered by previous WIP Plus programs. Jackson feels the bill has a very good chance of making it to the president's desk. If you have a good corn crop this year, you may want to consider entering the National Corn Yield Contest. Jessica Domal tells how. Time is running out for Texas farmers to sign up for the National Corn Growers Association's annual Yield Contest. The Yield Contest is a showcase of improvements, excellence, and accomplishments in agriculture. The deadline to sign up is Wednesday, August 18th. An online harvest form will be available the following day on Thursday, August 19th. Harvest results must be submitted to NCGA no later than two weeks after harvest or by November 30th, whichever is earlier. Contest winners will be announced December 15th. You can sign up at ncga.com. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. 
The fight over the Biden EPA's move to roll back the Trump administration's navigable waters protection rule is heating up. At least 30 GOP farm state senators are behind a bill to make permanent last year's navigable waters protection rule. That reversed the Obama-area Waters of the U.S. rule and its wetlands permit requirements. The issue has been in and out of the courts since 2015, and it's a major concern for the American Farm Bureau and their president, Zippy Duvall. He recently met with EPA Chief Michael Regan. He said, you know, pre-2015 ruling, uh, there were some good things uh, in the Clean Water Act, and he wants to evaluate what was good there. He wants to evaluate what was good in the 15 ruling and what might not have been good, and he wants to evaluate the current one. But Duvall has one caution. If they attempt to take navigable out of there, it's probably going to be a deal breaker to us. There weren't many high expectations for this year's Texas High Plains wheat crop, but the crop really took off right there at the end. James Hunt explains how from Amarillo. Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell says in the final analysis, things turned out better than expected in many cases for the winter wheat crop in our area, especially given how dry things were in the season's first six months. We had been in a long-term drought across much of this region, and many producers had anticipated very low yield or even crop failure. And because of the rain as well as cool conditions during that flowering period, we really saw a benefit to our wheat crop. And we even had many fields that had later heads developed through tillering that really contributed to that boost in yield. So I have visited with producers who did not anticipate dry land yields any more than 15 to 20 bushels who actually combined up to 50 bushels. And that is a phenomenal dry land yield for the Texas High Plains. But even though there were some impressive yields, Dr. Bell believes grain production for our region as a whole will be down this year because so much wheat went to forage instead. And that is largely because even though conditions improved towards the early summer, we still had a forage deficit throughout the spring and moving into that period. So producers were actively chopping and cutting wheat to meet that forage deficit and help fill that demand. And here's an important note for area wheat farmers. AgriLife's annual Wheat Heart Wheat Conference is Thursday, August 12th in Periton. More on that in our next report. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Drought Monitor is looking very good for early August. Tom Nicoletti takes a look. While several states in the western U.S. are experiencing devastating drought and wildfires this summer, Texas is in much better shape. The latest drought monitor shows only the Big Bend region in abnormally dry to moderate drought status. A scattering of abnormally dry pockets can be found across the state. According to the latest U.S. Department of Agriculture's Texas Crop Progress and Condition Report, on row crops, corn harvest continues to pick up in a few areas around Texas. Some cotton producers in the northern High Plains report fields destroyed due to hail. 
Farmers in southern central Texas and the Coastal Bend indicate cotton is progressing well, and some producers in south Texas report opening bowls. Rice harvest in the upper coast is underway. Meanwhile, grain sorghum harvesting has started in the Blacklands and continues throughout the southern portion of Texas. Overall crop conditions range mostly in the excellent to good to fair categories. On corn, 44% of the crop is rated good. Cotton crops are 11% excellent, 43% good, and 37 in the fair category. Rice shows 12% excellent crop and 42% fair. 49% of the sorghum crop is in good condition with 28% in fair condition. On livestock range and pastures, producers throughout the state report livestock are faring well with range and pasture conditions rated 18% excellent, 35% good, and 28% fair. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Hot August temperatures have arrived in East Texas, but James Duncan tells us the army worms have arrived also. On the eastern side of Texas, we're just right now in that haying season. It's been really good since the moisture let up where that we could really operate. But the army worms are doing their destructive right now. A band of those rascals can eat you up in a bit. I have talked to several producers across this area, and one of the problems that we have is also adequate supply of the chemicals that we need to control the army worm. They are an immediate threat. If you find them, you've got to treat them then. You can't wait till the morning or the afternoon. you got to do it right then to get rid of them. Now, the hay producers are cutting hay uh, regularly, and they're getting ahead of many of them. All we need now is some cool weather and moisture to get that hay production back up to where it needs to be. Treatment of the armyworms, though, is still the big thing. Vegetable producers, this season has been shortened. The quality and everything and the weather that we had early on has just done tremendous difficulties for our produce producers in getting a good year this year. The peaches have been excellent. That's the only bright spot in the whole deal. But our roadside stands are closing down and our farmers markets on the square are thinning out and they're going to be shutting down earlier than that Labor Day weekend this year. Labor Day weekend is just around the corner about a month away so we're going to be getting ready for deer season the food plot planting will be carried out as usual and many of these guys right now are coming up with new ways and listening to our texas wildlife advisories on the season this year so that we have a good harvest when the deer season gets here everything else well we're looking for football coming and the barrel racing is going on here in this area also, and it is really good. Come see us in East Texas. This is James Duncan reporting from Marshall for Texas Ag Today. You now have more time to comment on a proposal that would list the lesser prairie chicken as endangered. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And in recent years, production agriculture and veterinarians have been looking for methods of decreasing pain for animals. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. 
But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. In recent years, production agriculture and veterinarians have been working together to try to come up with methods of decreasing pain for animals. And now, veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd tells us post-calving pain is being examined. The American Association of Bovine Practitioners and the National Dairy Farm Program have both recommended pain management for calves undergoing castration, dehorning, and disbudding, and the recommendations have primarily looked at calves. However, Dr. Hans Coetzee from Kansas State indicates at Bovine Veterinarian that we should also be looking at post-calving pain in cattle to see if this will allow cows to recover more quickly from the stress of calving. Dr. Michael Kleinheins from KSU conducted a study in which he examined the gates of cattle post-calving using 10 Holstein cows given pain medication and 10 that were not given pain medication. In this study, cows treated with the pain reliever meloxicam after calving shifted less weight to their front legs than those without pain medication. Also, the cows with pain medication took longer strides than cows in the treated group, and the authors suggested this was due to decreased pain with the enlarged udder, as this study was performed using dairy cows. Another study used meloxicam and found that treated milk cows had higher milk and protein production throughout their entire lactations compared to cows that received no treatment. Researchers suggested that a reduction of systemic inflammation by the drug could be the reason for increased milk production. It is legal to administer meloxicam to decrease pain and suffering, but not to increase production. Of course, you have to be aware of slaughter and milk withdrawals when using drugs extra label in this manner. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You now have more time to comment on a proposal that will list the lesser prairie chicken as endangered. Jessica Domel has the details in today's wildlife report. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is giving the public more time to comment on a proposal to list the lesser prairie chicken, which is known for its colorful spring mating display, as threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act. Under the proposal, populations of lesser prairie chickens living in the southwest Texas panhandle would be listed as endangered. Lesser prairie chickens found in the northeast Texas panhandle would be listed as threatened with a four 4D rule that tailors protections. The 4D rule would exempt any taking of the bird associated with the continuation of routine agricultural practices or the implementation of prescribed fire in the Northeast Panhandle. FWS says the protections are needed because the lesser prairie chickens face a number of threats, including modification, degradation, and fragmentation of its habitat. The lesser prairie chickens are found in five states in the United States, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Kansas, Colorado, and Texas. FWS says its scientific review of past, present, and future threats to the lesser prairie chicken and ongoing conservation efforts 
found one group of the lesser prairie chickens in danger of extinction and another population segment of the grouse likely to become endangered in the foreseeable future. The lesser prairie chicken was listed as threatened in 2014, but the listing was removed following a lawsuit. Comments on Fish and Wildlife's proposal will be accepted through September 1st on regulations.gov. Simply search lesser prairie chicken. Again, that's at regulations.gov and you have until September 1st to comment. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Well, it was a higher day across the board in the cattle complex, both live and feeder cattle wrapping up the day higher on Friday. We also saw strongly higher prices for cotton and wheat. We'll take a closer look back at Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. know what to do if you're stuck on the railroad crossing? Get out of your vehicle. If a train is not approaching, find the blue and white emergency notification system sign on the traffic signs at the crossing. For help, call the number on the sign and give them the crossing number so they know your location and can alert train traffic. Remember, find the blue and white to save your life. For more information, visit OLI.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was a higher day in the cattle complex on Friday. We ended up closing slightly higher on live cattle, strongly higher on feeder cattle. August live cattle up 42 cents to end the week at 123 even. October up 30 at 127.87. The December up 55, 133.32. Strongly higher close in the feeder market on Friday. August feeders up 220 at 159.85. September feeders up 217, 163.32. The October up $1.92, 165.77. Cash fed cattle trade wrapping up the week, selling most of our cattle here in the South at 121 to 122. Up north, prices were mostly 125 to 126. Boxed beef higher on Friday. Choice up 324 at 292.58. Select up 262, 273.77. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy, it's time to head to producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. Talk sheep and goats with Benny Cox. Benny, how was the sheep and goat sale this week? We had 48.71, which uh, maybe added a little strength to the market. Compared to uh, last week, we didn't have a lot of these wolf feeder last week. We had some really good top end with some people from New Mexico sent a, a big group of those things. They sold from firm to $5 higher compared with the week before. The better lightweight to medium flesh, these hair sheep type that are going straight to slaughter are 15 to $25 higher. Well, these heavier weights near steady. Slaughter ewes, they sold near steady, while the better quality kids were 10 to $15 higher. With most increase on these uh, better end of these boar crosses, of course, they, as we've always said, they bring, you know, they'll bring the top of the market. The wool feeder lambs, they sold in a range from 255 all the way up to 280 
on the, the light end of these slaughter labs from 260 to 340 with a heavy wage from $2 to 275 On the slaughter used, they sold from 80 to 130 but mostly 90 to 115 Kid goats sold in range from 230 to 350 but mostly 285 to 320 What do we anticipate for the cattle sale this week? Oh, it's sure awful nice. I'm guessing a lot of people get out there and go to work, surely. We're sure likely to have over a 1,000 again this week. Uh, I know Charlie went out there and got another couple of loads, so we continue to sell our calves that were, you know, fall-born. Right. And this market's been awful good. Yeah. I, we've been really pleased. Of course, we've had some bigger, higher-quality groups uh, that have had their shots and all that good stuff. So good. This, this this market's uh, it's moving in the right direction. That's good. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you. They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office is the same area code, 653-3371, or they can always look at the web, which is producers and car guys. Maybe that's it for Walking the Pins. I've been with Benny Cox from Producers in Cargyle, San Angelo. We appreciate you listening. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day to you. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs finished mixed on Friday. The August contract down 72, 108.75. October hogs up 47, 87.60. A mix close in the milk market. August class 3 milk down 9 cents, $16 even. September milk up three, 1643 a hundredweight. A strong close for the week in the cotton market. Triple digit gains on Friday, taking the October contract well above 92 cents. The December getting very close. Strong global demand for cotton, continuing this bullish trend that we've seen lately in the cotton market. October cotton up 125 points to finish at 92.42. December cotton up 102 points, 91.70 cents. The corn market mixed with the September contract down three quarters, 5.55 a bushel. December corn up three and a half, 5.56 and a half. We did see a strong run in the wheat market on Friday, both hard and soft wheat, seeing nice gains. September Kansas City wheat up 14 and a quarter, 7.05 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat up six and a quarter at 719. Now that's the first time on the Kansas City wheat that we've been above $7 since May on that September contract. So a nice run to wrap up the week in the hard red wheat market on Friday. Rough rice finished higher. September up three and a half, 1332 a hundredweight. November soybeans up eight and a quarter, 1336 and three quarters. August soybean meal up a dollar ninety. 358.80 a ton. In the energy markets, September natural gas was unchanged 413. September crude oil down 98 cents, 68.11 a barrel. In the financial markets on Friday, the Dow was up 144 points, 35,208. The Nasdaq down 59 at 14,835. The S&P up 7, 4,436. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here next time to bring you all of the latest news in Texas agriculture. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope I'll see you then right here on Texas Ag Today.